Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Denny Long returns next week on the program. He's taken a couple of weeks off here in August ahead of the fair. We're pleased to be joined by Mary Meyer from the U of M uh, here in studio. And uh, Mary, good to see you. I saw you in July on the program. Yes, great to be here, Steve. Thanks for having us again. Wonderful to see the fruits of all our labors now in the garden. Things yeah. are really, really growing, and most people are harvesting this time of year from their vegetable gardens. Yeah, peppers, cukes, tomatoes. Tomatoes, zucchini, always a lot of zucchini. That That's right. I, you know, I had trouble with zucchini, and maybe I told you about this on a program, but uh, I had those flies that kind of got in and damaged the stems and the zucchini Oh, went the back. squash vine borer. So I gave up on those a couple of years ago, so I don't grow zucchini anymore. I just, I didn't want to use all sorts of chemicals and that sort of thing. Is Is that common? Yeah, the squash vine borer is a big problem, especially with zucchini. One way you can get around that is if you 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 can plant it right away as soon as um, you know uh, danger frost is gone. But if you wait a little bit later, you can actually miss the first life cycle of that insect, and there's still plenty of time to uh, get zucchini. So if you wait until about mid June to plant it. Two, three weeks later than we normally would, you can often miss the oh. life cycle of the insects. So that's one way. The other way is if you inspect the the base of the vine, sometimes you can find that borer. It's a, it's a big um, larva-like caterpillar, and you can remove that, cover it up with soil, and sometimes the plants will recover. I will try in 2020. Yeah, I will give that good. a go because uh, everyone in the family loves zucchini. By the way, our phone number and text number is the same now, 651-989-9226. We invite your calls. Smart Garden underway. Mary Meyer in studio. And we should point out, gorgeous weather this morning. Great weather day today. And it's a big day at the Arboretum. Yes, the Arboretum is having their art in the garden. Uh, it was uh, It's a wonderful all-day event you can go to. It's uh, free with Arboretum admission. Plenty of vendors there. Uh, lots of different types of art, things you can use in the garden, things you can use in your home. Also free live music uh, this afternoon. So check that out. Go to the arboretum.umn.edu website. You can find all the details about that. And if you have never been to the Arboretum, do yourself a favor. It is one of the great local treasures. Oh, it's beautiful. The um, the, the flowers are really spectacular. Um, the annuals, we are using bright colors this year. So bright reds, uh, yellows, oranges. And those really pop. So they're very, very uh, showy. And right now, I think the annuals are about at their peak, the things that we plant seasonally every year. Many roses still blooming. Oh, the hydrangeas. Uh, We get a lot of questions, as you know, Steve, about hydrangeas. And we have hydrangea trials out there, so you can walk through the trials and Pick out your favorite ones. So, uh, so many things to see at the Arboretum. Great place to take a walk. And it is all seasons, whether it's the summer, the autumn, winter. 
the Arboretum is, is just tremendous and uh, one, one of the greats in the country. And I know it won a big award recently. Yes, uh, most popular, most fa- favorite arboretum, favorite botanic garden in the United States from the USA Today votes. So that's uh, that's very nice. Yeah, right. just just a wonderful spot, and so so much great staff, and so many volunteers make the arboretum work. Yes, we have hundreds of volunteers, many plant societies that volunteer out there as well. So, uh, great asset in our community. That's right. All right, big part of the show, your calls and texts. And without further ado, let's go to the phone lines. By the way, the number, keep this handy for all our programs, 651-989-9226. And that's good for a call or a text, 651-989-9226. Let's go to Ken and Blaine. Ken, you're on the air. Hello. Good morning. Um, I have a question concerning... uh Vining uh, flowers like uh, trumpet vine and uh, um, the uh, honeysuckle vine. And then I also have bittersweet, which is going crazy. But all these vining plants this year seem to be just, I don't know, they're just going crazy as far as uh, uh, spreading. And uh, I'm not quite sure what to do. I I have a, a trumpet vine that I had a hard time getting it going several years ago, and all of a sudden it's you know, started blooming, and now I've got it coming up practically everywhere. And the same with the bittersweet vine. Well, we've had great growing conditions, uh, Ken, for many plants, especially perennial plants that are well-established. And these vines, we've just had great growing conditions, a lot of rain, uh, good temperatures. So many plants have huge amounts of new growth this year. Uh, the three plants you're talking about actually quite different. Uh, bittersweet. There's uh, Oriental and and our native bittersweet. Uh, there's probably have the Dropmore honeysuckle vine and then the trumpet vine. Um, these are. These are all quite different, but they all have blooms in the summer. Um, And because they're so vigorous, you probably are not going to damage them by pruning them. Um, I think early spring is actually a good time to do the pruning, but you can do it right now as well. Um, If you have heavy growth, um, all three of these can get um, so aggressive that uh, if you don't prune them, they'll take over an area. They can take over a structure uh, for sure. So you could prune them right now without um, worrying about damaging the plants. For the phones again, let's go to Ed in Worthington. Ed, hello. Hello. Got a question on Brussels sprouts. Um, are you to take the bottom leaves off of the plant? I don't see any Brussels sprouts on there yet. Um, I don't do that when I grow Brussels sprouts. The more leaves on there, the more photosynthesis, the more sugars uh, you'll get uh, for the plant uh, itself. Um, You don't have to take them off. I know some people do that. Uh, I saw some Brussels sprouts growing in community gardens this week, and they were just starting to form at the base of the leaves. They do take our full growing season, and so it, it's actually, you know, they can even take some frost. So it can be well into September, even October, when you do harvest them. So for now, I would just leave the leaves on. Some of those might get yellow and almost uh, fall off on their own as the Brussels sprout develops and grows. Great call. I love Brussels sprouts. And those 
um, kind of a reappeared on restaurant menus <laughs> in recent years. Yeah. You know, it, <laughs> I, I love sprouts. Popular. I think part of it is people are roasting them. So right, roasting them, they're so yeah. sweet and good. Yeah, right. excellent. Very popular. Uh, generally, are they hard to grow? No, they're not hard. They just take a long time. So right now, people are probably wondering, gee, are they are they going to form? Because first, the big plant has to grow, and then each little head grows at the base of uh, the leaf. So it does take our whole growing season. So you got to hang in there well into September. You got to hang sprouts. in there. Uh, the problem I had with our community garden was we would close the community garden closed October fifteenth. And the sprouts were bare, you know, I, I could have left them in there uh, because they will tolerate the frost. So if you have your own garden, uh, then you can harvest whenever you want. You can harvest a few at a time. You don't have to pull up the whole plant. 651-989-9226. 651-989-9226, our Smart Gardens program. Mary Meyer in studio today. We have, as you might expect, a lot of calls. Let's go to Mary in New Prague. Mary, you're on the air. Good morning. Yeah, I planted strawberries this spring. They're ever-bearing. And they had a few blossoms in the spring, and you're told to pick them off so you get runners, which I did. Now I've got hundreds of runners and no blossoms. Usually they bear twice a year, and they just got so many runners on them, but not one blossom. So I was wondering if, what could that be? Well, I think uh, you just have to be patient, Mary. Um, As long as they're in full sun, uh, it sounds to me like they are because they're growing so well. But I think because they're new, uh, younger plants, uh, they won't give you as many berries this very first year. So uh, you could... I would consider having a soil test done to see if you need to add nutrients uh, in your soil. Um, otherwise, um, you can go to our extension.umn.edu website and read about the management practices for strawberries. Uh, strawberries and apples are favorite fruits of ours, but they are big, time-consuming, uh, labor-intensive fruits. So uh, the the you could do pre- maybe do some more pruning on those. Uh, consider getting a soil test, and then hopefully next year uh, you'll have a better uh, yield. Simply because the plants will be more established. Quick break. We have more with Mary Meyer. It is our Smart Garden Show here on a Saturday at CCO. The phone number again and the text number six five one nine eight nine. Nine two two six six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. It is our Smart Garden Show every Saturday morning between eight and nine. Mary Meyer in studio today. A big day at the Arboretum today. We'll tell you more about that again a little bit later on in the program. We have so many calls and so many texts. Uh, first uh, call up, Roger and Ramsey. Roger, you're on the air. Hello. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, Mary. I have a problem with my lawn. I have uh, tan flies coming out of the grass, and I'm told that I have a sod webworm, and I've had it for the past couple of years in July and August. Could you tell me how to treat that, and what would be the timing of the treatment? Well, it is it is possible you have sod webworms. They are small moths that you can see when you walk through the lawn. Um, they When they light, they... Um, 
they have um, they, their wings go right behind their body, so they their wings are not held outward. So it's a long, thin um, moth when it's uh, not in flight. But um, Roger, you didn't talk about any brown on your lawn, so that's that's when things get bad. Um, they the larvae especially eat the lawn, and normally if you got that much of a problem, you would see brown grass. So if you just see the insects, yeah, there are a few around, but I'm I'm not um, sure that you really need to use a pesticide to kill them, because that that is rare, especially for a homeowner situation um, in Minnesota. So you can go to a garden center and you can buy product that's in an, an insecticide for. Um, sod webworms for your lawn. Uh, many states in the United States have a much bigger problem with this than we do, especially in the South. Uh, but for most homeowners in Minnesota, pesticide application is usually not necessary. So seeing a few is okay. If your lawn is not brown, I wouldn't worry about treating it. We have a lot of text today about turf and uh, lawn care, and we're going to try and roll some of these uh, into a little bit of a chat about turf. Uh, one popular one is now a good time to do the core aeration too. Yes. Yeah. So we have just passed our uh, peak date of lawn maintenance. So August 15th to September 15th. So we're in the month now for prime lawn maintenance. So aeration, reseeding, uh, renovation of lawns. This is our best time to do it. This is when the grasses will grow their best and weeds are are declining. Annual weeds certainly are declining. And it's a, a good time when the grass can get uh, a head start. The next two weeks on the show at the fair, now both dates, right, coming right. up, we will have our lawn, our turf guys with us. So John Trappy and then Eric Watkins, our turf uh, uh, specialist from the U, will be uh, at, at the fair for both those events. But uh, So we'll be talking lawn. So this is a great time to do aeration and renovation. Yeah, and uh, maybe take out those areas, particularly along uh, driveways or curbs where there are a lot of weeds, to get those weeds out, maybe put in some new soil and seed. Yes, you definitely you can do that now, right? Uh, there are lots of different uh, seed mixes you can get at garden centers. Uh, I like the fine fescues, which are usually sold as the shady grass mixes. Uh, they will do well in sun uh, as well, but they are the low maintenance, low water requirements. Yeah. Speaking of water, has anyone turned on their sprinklers this year? Well, uh, a lot of people have not uh, because it, we've had so much rain that uh, natural rainfall, it's unusual to have conditions like this, especially through July. And it looks like we might see some rain overnight again yes. tonight. So it's been it's been wonderful growing conditions uh, from Mother Nature. I know farmers would not agree with that because of the late start they got, but once plants got in the soil, uh, it's been an amazing year. To the phone lines we go here on our Smart Garden Show on a Saturday at CCO. Let's go to John and Lionel Lakes. John, you're on the air. Hello. Hey, good morning. Um, we uh, moved into our home about 10 years ago, and we had hydrangeas in the front. And uh, I cut them back several times, and they flowered beautifully the first year. But after I cut them back, uh, which I think was a mistake. We only get flowers on the bottom of the plant each year. They grow beautifully, 
but no flowers. What do I have to do to get these things to flower again? Thank you. John, I think what you have is the uh, species of hydrangea called the macrophylla, big leaf. This is the um, endless summer hydrangea type. Uh, This is a shorter hydrangea, and you're right, it's the one that's harder for us to grow and harder for it to bloom. Uh, It's that species of hydrangea. Now, there there are two other kinds of hydrangea. There's the Annabelle, which is a a little bit taller, four feet or so. Uh, You'll never have a problem with that blooming. That will bloom really well for you. And then there's the uh, Paniculata, which is a a bigger one, you know, five, seven, even 10, 12 feet tall, more of a small tree-like, big shrub, small tree. That will bloom consistently for you also. So the Annabelle types and the paniculata types, they bloom on the current season's wood that will shoot out in the spring and then have those flowers on it. But the macrophylla, the short one with the big leaves, is very picky about flowering. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. Don't prune that one again. And then if you don't like how it's flowering, consider getting an Annabelle or a paniculata, which are the bigger ones. So again, if you go to the Arboretum or a garden center, you'll see all three of these kinds there. And it's it's really a matter of what kind do you have. Quick break. We'll have an update on the weather. And then we'll go to the phones. Barb and Jim will have more on the text line. Here is the number for calls or texts. 651-989-9226. here on the CCO. 8.34 on a Saturday morning. It is our Smart Garden Show. Mary Meyer in studio today. Let's go to the phone lines. It's been a very busy day. Phones and texts at 651-989-9226. Let's go to Jim in Maple Grove. Jim, you're on the air. Hello. Hello, good morning. Um, I'm calling about a crimson maple in our yard. Um, it, it has great shape other than it has a shoot on the very top of it that is probably five or six feet taller than anything else. And I'm wondering if I can prune that and if I should, when I should, can I do that without any harm in the shape of the tree at all? Yes, uh, you can prune that off, Jim. Those uh, crimson king maples, they're going to grow and uh, be quite prolific. They've had a good uh, growing season. Um, Yeah, you can go up and take off that one shoot, no problem. Uh, You could do that right now. That's not a major pruning event. Major pruning we don't particularly like to do this time of year. You can always do it in the dead of winter. Uh, that's the ideal time for pruning, but you can take that off now. Um, what about fertilizing in general, uh, turf, uh, gardens, other plants in your landscape? Is, is now a good time to put down some fertilizer? Uh, now is a great time for lawns. So okay. the lawns uh, around Labor Day, we always think is a really prime time for fertilizing lawns. Otherwise, um, probably not really a good time. Trees are not limited by fertilizer. Usually that's not a limiting factor for trees. And most of our plants with a vegetable garden and so on are uh, past the point of needing much fertilizer at this point. So I would just think about it for lawns. If you're in doubt, always uh, get a soil test and at extension.umn.edu, the directions are there. 
to Barb in Grantsburg. Barb, you're on the air. Hello. Um, I'm calling regards of a um a flower I have here and um I'm it's um it's white right now and it's uh it uh and it it's got the big leaves and everything on it. But uh and, and now I just got the white uh big white flower coming. <laughs> Can you tell me on what's going on with that or so are you interested in what kind of flower it is, Barb? It's 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 a white one. It's um uh, But it's, but you want an ID on the plant. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, how do people do that, Mary, if they're not <laughs> sure what's in their landscape? How do they how Well, do they... The, the best way is to take a picture of it now with your phone. Take a picture of it and you can go to the Ask a Master Gardener. Uh that's our online email service. Uh, through um, Extension, and that's up at extension.umn.edu and ask a gardening question. You can easily send a picture in there and have an ID done. I think that's the best way uh, to do it, Barb, at this point. Also, you know, is this something you planted, somebody else planted? Is this something that you found uh, by the roadside? So the location is helpful also, the height and then the flowering time. But a picture uh, should get you a good ID. Yeah, and uh, the old saying, a picture's worth a thousand words. (laughs) Uh, can tell a lot from that. Carl in St. Cloud. Carl, you're on our Smart Garden Show. Good morning. Good morning, Mary. I've got a problem with um, got my honeysuckle. Mildew is every year, man. It really gets really bad mildew. And I'm wondering, you know, I have 13 um, hydrangeas of 10 different species around my house. I wonder if I could try a climbing hydrangea. Um, yes, you can try a climbing hydrangea. Now, St. Cloud is getting kind of iffy. Um, I planted a climbing hydrangea, one of my favorite plants. It's a little tough to get it established, but it is hardy here in Zone 4. But I have it in a pretty protected location on the north side of my house. And a climbing hydrangea has to have something to climb on. So it's going to die if there's nothing there. And it climbs by a flat surface. So you have to have a flat surface. So you put it up against a wall where it can adhere to that wall. This is not a real aggressive vine. Um, So my concern is getting it established. Uh, Probably yours will be too rather than any damage to the side of your house or anything. But it will not twine. You can't put up a uh, trellis or something. It's got to be a flat surface. It will not grow unless it can adhere to a flat surface. Um, From our text line, uh, cucumbers have done great this year, seeing a lot of cucumbers. But now I'm starting to see yellow leaves. Is that normal? It is normal, especially the older leaves on the plants, the one that are closest to the base or the the ground. Those will start to yellow as the plant matures. And yes, they, you know, as the as the cucumber develops, that fruit and the hormones produced by the fruit are senescent signals to the whole vine. So it's like, okay, I've done my job. I've produced the fruit and shut off and really start for the whole plant to decline. So keep picking all your cucumbers, squashes, and so on. That will encourage the uh, vine to continue to put out more flowers. Yeah, it's been an amazing year for cucumbers. Uh, They just amaze me. Whenever I plant these little tiny cukes, 
you know, it, it's the plants at the beginning of the season, and now it's like, my, boom. oh, my. Yes, and they, and they really grow <laughs> overnight. They just boom overnight. Yeah, yeah, just an amazing plant. One of my favorites for sure. Uh, Japanese beetles from our text line are eating my trees. Is there anything I can do at this point? Well, trees, that's tough. Um, Japanese beetles are uh, not as big a problem this year as they have been other years, and that's really wonderful for us. So they're they're not as many. They will do some damage, but uh, they're nowhere near as bad as borers are. There are a lot of other insects that are worse. The recommendation we have is really hand-picking them off, and, of course, for a tree, that's not very practical. Traps are not a good idea. They will bring in lots of beetles. You will get more beetles if you have traps. And you had mentioned, though, Mary, that uh, by all reports, though, this has been a pretty good year in general for Japanese beetles. It is. It is. They were later coming out, and we're seeing fewer We've got a great publication on their whole life cycle and the control methods at extension.umn.edu. Just click on garden and then uh, search for Japanese beetles. Uh, Here's one from our text line. Why hadn't my wisteria bloomed yet this year? Lots of growth, no blooms. The plant's about six years old. Good question. So wisteria, again, a huge, big, vigorous vine. You have to be careful really where you put that vine. It can get, even in Minnesota, can get large, the hardy kinds. So I would consider uh, a soil test. The plant has to be in full sud, and then I'd consider pruning it to encourage the new growth. And I wouldn't do, prune it now, though. I'd do the pruning real early in the springtime. But uh, also you can read up on our website about wisteria. But that, six years old, it should start flowering now. If it's not in full sun, that could be something you might uh, consider uh, moving it to a full sun location. Uh, Back to core aeration on turf. We had a couple more texts come in. Um, Number one, is there anything I need to do to the lawn before I have coriation done? Do I need to cut it shorter? And then can, can I mow and do normal stuff on the turf afterwards? Yes. Yeah, I would consider mowing it before you do the aeration. I would not mow it shorter. Uh, I would keep it to a, a three inches and then uh, do the aeration and then I would let the cores, uh, give the cores a few days, uh, if possible, to uh, dry out a little. But then you can go ahead and mow again uh, afterwards. Right? And just let those cores break down and go back into the soil. Right. Yep. That's exactly right. They, they mm-hmm. don't need to be raked or gathered up. I think the only core place they do that is on a golf course on greens that they'll greens. pick up the cores. Oh, yeah. That's it. But. Yeah, they definitely, yeah, they, they do that. They have a whole uh, procedure with the greens. But on your lawn, no, that, that should be fine. Yeah, just let them uh, mm-hmm. lay. Uh, by the way, our phone number and our text number is 651-989-9226, 651-989-9226. And uh, the turf calls are picking up because it is prime time, as you mentioned earlier in the program. Uh, Tim and Lake Elmo, Tim, uh, you're on the air. Hello. Thank you. Um, question. Along the sidewalk up to a chapel, uh, about three inches off the sidewalk, everything dies in the spring because of the use of salt. Um, 
and the only thing that grows there is uh, crabgrass. Is there a type of grass seed that's tolerant to salt? Um, there is, Tim. There are salt-tolerant uh, grass species. But I'm, I'm wondering if you might want to consider planting hosta there. Um, and just have a border of hosta along the sidewalk because hosta will grow in conditions like that. And I've seen that along driveways and along other sidewalks. So hosta, lily of the valley, that's a, an aggressive ground cover. You really might want to consider using um, a totally different plant there. But you can look for those salt-tolerant grasses. They look a little bit different, and I'm not sure you're going to be happy with how they look. Um, so, and they're sometimes harder to get established, but uh, we have done some work with that, our turf uh, specialists with the Department of Transportation. Uh, if you go to the um, Turfgrass website, which is linked again on extension.umn.edu, you can read about the results of salt-tolerant uh, turfgrass and the trials that were done. Uh, on a lovely August day, I don't want to think about salt and snow and ice, but... <laughs> It is uh, certainly reality. Let's go to Kathy and Ham Lake. Kathy, you're on the air with Mary Meyer. Hello. Yes, good morning. I'm wondering about all the hype on this plantain weed that grows in everybody's yard. It comes up particularly well, like between the cracks in your sidewalk. It's a leafy thing with these sprouts that come out. What I've read, it is that it is... um, used for many medicinal purposes, that it can be used for bug bites or uh, you can make it into an herbal tea. Um, Is the U of M doing any work on this? Uh, I may have a bumper crop here for them. (laughs) (laughs) Good for you, Kathy. Yes, I think a lot of us have this plantain. So there's two kinds of plantain, the narrow leaf one, which is a, a, a narrow leaf. It's kind of like one or two of your fingers and longer, much longer than it is wide. And then there's the more common broadleaf plantain, which is a uh, very coarse plant, a basal rosette that grows in a lot of lawns and compacted soils. Um, This actually came up this week when I was working and one of my colleagues was stung by yellow jackets. We found a yellow jacket nest in the mulch in the grass collection where we were working and uh, one of our other colleagues said oh find the plantain find the plantain you eat it he said you can you can uh, chew on the plantain or you can uh, brush it onto your uh, your skin so I know jewelweed is a common um uh, remedy for poison ivy. I've used that myself. I haven't used plantain much, but we do find that in a lot of the Native American uh, teachings. And it's harmless as far as I know. The university is not doing any work on it, but uh, it is uh, reported to have uh, especially uh, a good treatment for, for insect bites and poison ivy. Uh, creeping Charlie on the text line. Uh, there's a number of creeping Charlie. Uh, I, it, it's sort of it's sort of a little game for me. I, I just go out and uh, let the creeping Charlie get big and pick it out of the ground. That's that's how I deal with it. Uh, but is is there a this, good way to control? This is again the prime time of year for controlling uh, ground ivy or creeping Charlie. It's 
kind of not growing as aggressively right now. <laughs> it's, it's what, on a scale of 1 to 10, we're down to maybe 5 or 6, where in the springtime, it's up to 8 and 10 in its growing figure. So you have a better chance of controlling it. And there are uh, specific broadleaf uh, weed killers for creeping Charlie. Trichoplore is one that uh, works well. But read the label. Uh, make sure that uh, you're following the label directions um, in applying it, especially now with the summer and the weather conditions. A lot of herbicides are sensitive to too cool or too hot conditions uh, and their ability to, to function. But is, is pulling it okay, or will it just oh, grow pull, back? Pulling well, it it's very easily grows back, and it's hard to get all the roots. But I certainly do a lot of pulling it around my garden beds and so on. Yes. So so it's like a dandelion. If you don't get the whole, <laughs> whole root, thing. it's coming back. That's right. All right, quick break. We have more on our Smart Garden Show. Mary Meyer in studio today. Our phone number and text number. Is the same, 651-989-9226, 651-989-9226 here on the CCO. It is our Smart Garden Show, Mary Meyer in studio today. And by the way, a great day it will be. Highs in the 80s, sunny skies right now, 64. Let's go to the phones. Kevin in Chaska, you're on the air. Hello. Good morning. I would like to ask about dethatching. How often and what time of year? Uh, this is the time of year to do dethatching on your lawn. How often really depends on what type of turf grass that you have. So if you have the traditional Kentucky bluegrass, especially elite Kentucky bluegrasses, those can take dethatching once they're established. And I would say uh, maybe every three years if your lawn is uh, thatchy, if you've got a lot of thatch, the species of grass determines how much thatch you've got there. And uh, if you've got a lot of thatch, you can actually cut down into the soil and see if you have a layer of uh, undecomposed organic matter on the surface of the soil. That is what thatch is. And uh, then you can, again, re- rent a dethatcher or aeration uh, helps with that as well. Uh, to Mark in Hudson. Mark, you're on the air. Hello. I have a question about growing hops. We have a hops, big hops trellis with 150 plants. The plants are flowering nicely. We're getting ready for harvest. The plants have a Uh, a light green-yellow color. What causes light green-yellow color in hops? It might be the variety that you have, just the fact that that's uh, as the plant is aging, it it, uh, turns yellow, or it could be nitrogen deficiency. So if everything is looking good, uh, we've had a lot of rain this year. Rain often depletes the nitrogen that's in the soil. So it, it might be a nitrogen deficiency. But at this point, um, I would not recommend doing anything other than a soil test to see if you have low nitrogen um, in your soil. Uh, but otherwise, it sounds like uh, you're doing well. You can also look up uh, on extension.umn.edu. We've had a couple of articles on hops. They're relatively easy to grow in Minnesota, but that could give you some uh, additional information. And uh, with the burgeoning uh, beer, uh, craft yes. brew industry, uh, there is more and more interest in hops. 
For oh. sure, right? Yeah, and it, it is amazing the huge trellises they grow on. They're very, very big. Yes, this is an amazing yeah. uh, plant for sure. Uh, one more from the text line, uh, real quickly. Um, Roundup, does it work on, uh, once again, our old friend Creeping Charlie and other weeds? Yes, Roundup kills everything that's green. So glyphosate, it kills everything that's green. So if you have nothing but Creeping Charlie, you can use it. But if, if there's any grass in there, that will be killed also. So you have to be careful. Read the, read the directions, apply it according to label directions, and uh, make sure that uh, you know what's, what you're actually killing. All right, uh, I have an antique rose bush. I want to transplant it. Uh, how do I do it? When should I do that? I would not try doing that now. Uh, the ideal time is early spring, just before it starts to grow. This time of year is most difficult to transplant. If it's a very small plant, maybe you could get away with it, keeping the root system in, intact as much as possible. But if you can, I'd wait till spring. All right. Dividing daylilies, hostas, et cetera. Should I wait? Actually, those tough perennials you can divide anytime. Hosta and daylilies. Uh, daylilies kind of going dormant now after most of them have finished blooming. Uh, cut cut them back by one half. Dig the hole before you're ready to before you get the plant. Dig the new hole and water well afterwards. And they should be good to go yep. in 2020. All right, so we're out at time once again. Real quickly, under a minute to go, a big day at the Arboretum. At the Arboretum, art in the garden, a wonderful day to get out there. Always wonderful to see the plants and walk uh, through the Arboretum. And then art in the garden is uh, free with admission. And for any garden questions, you can always go to extension.umn.edu, click on garden. Next week, Julie at the fair, and in two weeks, you'll be at the fair. I'll be at the fair. Two weeks from today, we'll have a cake celebrating eight years of the Spark Garden Show with free uh, seeds. So join us at the fair. It's going to be great. Denny Long returns next week with Julie, and you'll be there with Denny in two weeks. We'd love to see you at the fair. Mary, always a pleasure. Same, always a pleasure. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.